So we're going to talk about the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 says this. It said, The former account which I prepared, O Theophilus, I made a continuous report dealing with all the things which, what? Jesus began to do and to teach. So it says that he's writing, said, these are all the things that Jesus began to do. Not that he finished doing, but all the things that he began to do. And then we go through the Gospels and we come to this amazing book called the book of Acts. You see, the book of Acts is the second work of Luke the physician. It's placed in order in the New Testament scriptures between the four Gospels and the epistles or letters of the apostles. And then the New Testament is concluded by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Gospels give us four perspective views of the birth of Christ, which we have just celebrated, the lie, his life, his death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells us about his ministry, his teaching, and his prophetic proclamations given for us to follow and to live by. All four Gospels give us their accounts from beginning from a beginning to what seems to be like the end of the life and ministry of Jesus. Both Matthew and Luke give us their account of Christ's birth from two different perspectives. Mark and John begin their account with John the Baptist and the launching of Jesus into public ministry. Yet all four end with specific accounts following his resurrection and a commissioning to his disciples. Matthew and Mark end with the great commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel with the promise of Christ being with us. Luke ends with the same commission, but also with extended instruction for the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father to be endued with power from on high. John ends with the restoration and the commissioning of Peter. So look inside your outline there. Then comes Acts. The distinctions, declarations, and events recorded in this book are some of the most significant in the history of humanity. For where the Gospels seem to record an end with the crucifixion, Acts declares it was only the beginning. For it declares a birth, not a death. The birth of the church. The book of Acts declares the birth of the church. Amen. Jesus died so the church and was resurrected so you and I, the church, the body of Christ, we could be birthed into the earth. Amen. So exciting. And so the birth of the church, the living body of Christ into the earth, what begins in Jerusalem ends in Rome. And so you start out, how many know in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, you receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be my witnesses both in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so you go through the book of Acts and the first seven chapters is in Jerusalem and then chapter 8, after the dispersion, they go into Samaria. And so just what Jesus said, you begin in Judea and then in Samaria. And then we get to Acts chapter 13 and 14 on. Then it goes on to Rome and goes into Macedonia and all around and begins to go to the uttermost parts of the earth just as Jesus declared it would. Amen. I love it. You see, Acts is an amazing book in that we can all find ourselves somewhere within the pages of its written account. 
In the book of Acts, there are intellectuals, religious zealots, hungry inquirers, doubters, scoffers. There are those locked into their religious views and those who are hungry and open to hear the truth. There are the proud and there are the humble. There are those who reject the gospel and those who are almost convinced to receive and believe the gospel. There are those who want to silence the truth and those who are willing to put their life on the line to proclaim the truth. And there are those who are completely transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then there are those who are uneducated and untrained, but people can tell they have been with Jesus. How many know it's important that people know and recognize that we've been with Jesus? See, that's part of it. Why fast and pray? Why do that? Because spending time with God, setting time aside just to be with him is transformational in our lives. In Acts chapter 4, they stood, Peter and John stood before them, and they were asking them, look at this. And when they observed the boldness, how many want more boldness in your life? When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men. That's been one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I got very encouraged. I didn't have to be super educated and super trained. I just had to have a yes in my heart as Eli preached to us a couple weeks ago. How many know when you say yes, that's all God's looking for is your yes. He'll provide everything else you need. It doesn't mean we don't study. It doesn't mean we don't apply ourselves. But when they preserved that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized what? They had been with Jesus, praise the Lord. You see, many Bibles give the book the title of the Acts of the Apostles. Some the book of Acts, others just Acts. But let's think about that as a name for a book in the Bible, Acts. I want you to think about that. This is a book entitled Acts. Think about Acts. What an amazing name for a book. And it's a book that declared the launching of the church. So the launching of the church is not, the church is not supposed to be static. It's supposed to be active. Amen? And that's the description for every believer's life. I looked up the word Acts in Webster, and it's to find this. Anything done or being done or to be done, deed or performance of a duty, the process of doing. We're supposed to be in the process of doing the works of Jesus. John chapter 14, or 12, Jesus said, He that believes in me in the works that I do, shall he do also. Amen? So the book of Acts means that we as a church, we're in the process of doing. The book of Acts gives us the accounts of the deeds and actions of men and women. My little goody needs to work. Come on, goody. Ah. 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 <laughs> this book gives us the acts and deeds and actions of men and women who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who have been born in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and anointed and empowered to do and perform acts and deeds that they would never have thought of doing on their own or believed even possible for them to do. I want you to stay with me. I'm giving you a huge introduction here, but just stay with me. You see, the book of Acts gives us the fulfillment of the promise of the Father in pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh and at the very same time birthing and launching the church out of the shadows of the upper room 
and onto the public stage of declaration to the world to complete what he began to do. After the resurrection, the disciples were hiding in the upper room. They were just hanging out up there. I remember Jesus appeared to them and encouraged them to not be afraid. And then while they're waiting during that time from his ascension, 10 days from his ascension after appearing unto them for 40 days, they're there in that upper room praying, and the Lord, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, launched them out of that room and onto a public stage. They came out of that room, and Peter preached and declared openly from an upper room to an open stage and an open platform. He declared the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that day, 3,000 souls souls were added to the kingdom so awesome and that's what God desires to do in each one of our lives so it was the act began there and we began to complete what he had done so think about this when we read the book of act we look at the main character but I want you to think about this because this is the crux of what I'm getting to us for us for this coming year the main characters we hear about Peter is the only one of the 12 apostles mentioned doing acts only Peter out of the twelve is mentioned doing any act. James and John are mentioned briefly in connection with the church in Jerusalem. And James is killed as a martyr by Herod. Yet no acts are directly mentioned or connected to them. Though there are references given that the apostles, plural, did many signs and wonders amongst the people. So it's a general reference, but nobody specifically. Stephen and Philip, though, are two of the men from among the people chosen to be deacons and to distribute food because they were full of the Spirit and had a good report. Both men are preaching the gospel and performing acts amongst the people, even evangelizing whole regions. So when we think about the book of Acts, and that's what I want to encourage you. So many times we think about ministry that it is somebody who has, who's given their whole life and life called, but when you accept Christ, you give your whole life to Him. God asks us to do different things. My life call is different than yours, but we're all called and we all have the opportunity in God to be used by Him and have our name, if you would, continually written in the book of Acts. So I like Philip and Stephen because here's two guys that, that are just helping serve and take care of ministry in the church in that area, and yet they still believe that God would use them, and they're doing signs, wonders, and miracles, and preaching the gospel to a whole region. How many know God doesn't need professionals? He just needs willing vessels. Amen? And that's what we want to desire to be in 2020, a willing vessel to be used by God. Turn too many pages. Amen. You see, Barnabas is seen preaching the gospel and planting churches, making and strengthening disciples. Then Paul has his encounter with Christ on the Damascus Road. And then God uses a man named Ananias to go and minister to him, to receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now just think about that. I want you to think about maybe the most notorious person you could think of, maybe the most anti-God person you could think of and, and just ha has power, been persecution or doing that. Maybe it would even be, if you would, like an ISIS leader that's been known for, for, for killing and persecuting Christians. A terrorist. Paul was a terrorist to the church. He would imprison people. He had people put to death. And then he gets saved. And he gets saved where Ananias lives. And then the Lord, while Ananias is just doing his morning devotionals, the Lord says, hey, Ananias, I want you to get up and go into a street called Straight, and you're going to see a man there, and you're going to go into Simon the Tanner's house, and you're going to find a man named Paul there praying, and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias. He's seen you 
coming to lay hands on him. So we never hear about Ananias again, but he's just a guy and, and a normal person that God spoke to. He's not an apostle. He's not one of the twelve. He's not one of the spiritually elite. Are you listening to me? But he's somebody that God said, I'm going to use you and you're going to go and you're going to go lay hands on Paul and he's going to receive his sight and he's going to receive the Holy Spirit. What an amazing commissioning by God and an opportunity to be used by God. Amen. By, by just regular people like you and me. I like being one of the regular guys. Amen. And knowing that God will use us. Think about that. And then Paul continues preparing for the ministry. And then he's separated by God to the work that God has called him to. And that applies to all of us. God has something for each of us to do. Each one of you can reach somebody that nobody else can reach. And that's what it's all about, is reaching people in your sphere and your influence. God, use me to reach those that you know that I can reach and you do put in my sphere of influence. See, many times when we think about the people in the book of Acts and we speak of their recorded acts and deeds, we lead out one key component. The question is, how did they do that? How did they do what they did? It's the same question that was asked of Peter and John after healing the lame man sitting at the gate. As we read, by what power or what name have you done this? Which brings us to the real figure in the book of Acts and reveals the key person responsible for everything recorded in this amazing book. And that is the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about it. He's mentioned and referenced directly and indirectly over 70 times in the book of Acts. Last year I went through and I just read through the book of Acts and, and, and it's fun to do at different times. God will give you a specific word or you want to know, especially in the book of Acts. Just go and just put a little dot or an asterisk or, or, or underline every time you see a reference to the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. And you find out over 70 times. So you have 28 chapters. And so here's somebody that's mentioned over twice. It averages out to at least two times in every chapter if you divided it out equally. So how many know he's the central figure, the Holy Spirit? And that's what Jesus said. I'm going away, but I'm sending you a helper. So when it comes to being used by God, how many know it's good to know we have help? Amen. And so learning how to build a relationship with the helper in your life. So many times we give up because we do life and we do our faith in our own strength. And we're not relying on the helper. That's the amazing part about God's grace is God graces us to be able to do what we're not able to do in our own abilities. That's what grace does. He provides the strength and he provides the ability, the gifts and the talents that we need. Can you say amen? And so that's what the helper is here to do in our life. So he's mentioned over 70 times, which means he's the one empowering and enabling men and women in the book of Acts to do the act. He's the one doing through them what they could never do on their own. You see, Acts declares that God is now breaking forth in the earth on the most personal level in all recorded history with humanity. His loved and redeemed creation. The book of Acts declared, listen to what God said, I will now pour my spirit out upon what? All flesh. So the book of Acts declares that God is now engaged with humanity on an individual, personal level. And it's available to everyone. God, I want to walk with you. 
I want to know you. And in a moment, we're going to reference Moses, and we hear about other people having these great relationships with God. You read in the Old Testament, and God speaking with them, and to be individuals. But God said, I've now made myself available to every person. How many know it says when Jesus was crucified that the veil in the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place, that that veil was torn in two, and now every man has been given access into the presence of God. When you read the book of Hebrews, it tells you that you and I, you don't need someone to go before you. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can go to the Father through Him. Amen? And so when we begin to realize that, wait a minute. And, and so many times we relegate things to other people and delegate things to other people instead of saying, hey, I want to walk in that myself. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to be used by God. Amen. So I just want to encourage you as you go into a new year, let's make that our desire and our passion with God because he's doing something in our lives in a way he's never done before. For no longer is he working only through just a select few, a prophet, priest, and king. He is now able to be in every person. Think about that. And upon every person so he can touch every person with this saving grace and redeeming power, confirming that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But I've said all that to get to this final part. In Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 8, we have the account of two men. Just regular men, Stephen and Philip, as we said, who had been chosen and called out by the people because of their faith and their report of godly conduct and for being filled with the Spirit. So in leadership in the church, people say, what are you looking for? I'm just looking for people who love God, filled with the Spirit, and have a good report. Amen. That you're spiritual out there as you act in here. Amen. I always say it like this. It's good when God survives the drive home. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing in here, it'd be awesome if it made it all the way home. Amen. Somewhere in the commute, sometimes God gets kicked to the curb. Amen. So we want to make sure that we make it. So you look in the, and they said, hey, this Stephen and Philip, these two guys, man, God actually, they're, they're not just spiritual in church. They're spiritual out in the word where they are. They, they really are living this thing. Amen. And so they, they, they were pointing. But listen to what they were given to. Watch. They said, hey, we're distributing food to widows and to orphans and to those in need. And the church had grown at this time to almost 20,000 people. And they're distributing and taking care of one another and ministering, making sure people are cared for in the church. But in there, people are arguing, I'm getting first. How come they get to go first? How many know any place there's free stuff, there's arguments? Amen. And so in all that stuff, people feel like or wanting, doing all that. So whatever. They said, we need some guys we can appoint over this to have this done decently and in order. So they were in charge of the food closet. In charge of the food closet. But after taking care of distributing food, Stephen went out and did signs, wonders, and miracles amongst the people in the city and got so much recognition that he got arrested and ended up being put to death. And he preached one of the, you, you can read Acts chapter 7 and 8, and, and, and you're going to read one of the most amazing testimonies and messages of declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. He takes them all the way back to the beginning and then declares Jesus. And then at the end, when they get ready to stone him, he says, I see the heavens open and Jesus standing by the right hand of God. Amen. What a great way to go. Amen. 
Hallelujah. One, to know where you're going and see who's going to welcome you there. Amen? Awesome, awesome. And so there he is. And then Philip, after Stephen's martyr, then, then they get spread all out. And Philip goes down and preaches a revival in Samaria. And we're going to read it here in just a moment. So think about that. Acts chapter 3, and it says this. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business of distributing the food. So what do they do? They use their faith and newfound boldness in the spirit to preach the gospel, to do great signs and wonders amongst people. Whole regions are touched and changed through their life. Acts chapter 6, we can read about Stephen. The word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of their priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, look, it did great signs and, and wonders and signs amongst the people. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So you say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this year in 2020. Stephen's just a guy like you and me, guys. He's a regular guy. He just got saved. And then he believed in everything God declared concerning him. He said, God, I believe I could walk in this stuff. And you've heard me say it before. I never liked being a spectator. I ended up in the ministry because I don't like watching other people do everything. Amen. And, and, and I don't have an entitlement attitude in Christianity that I think everybody ought to serve me. I believe the greatest way to be is to be a servant of all. So I want to be involved in serving, not just receiving. And so getting involved. But when it comes to doing ministry, man, I want to know what it's like. To lay your hands on somebody and have them receive an answer from God. Listen, listen to so, so, well, Pastor, how do you qualify that? Become a believer. Just believe. I'll never forget. Norville Hayes said it one time. Back in the 80s, Norville Hayes was a great. He, Norville Hayes was a car salesman who started preaching. And God gave him ministry, went around the world, preaching on healing and deliverance and miracles. He got raised up under Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall taught him how to pray for people. And so he started praying and preaching a message of faith and hope and healing and power. And so he said, he, he told everybody, he said, okay, d just do this. Hold your hand out like this. You know what that is? You know what that's for? You know what your hand's for? It's to put on sick people. This is what it said. These signs follow them that believe. These signs follow them that believe. They lay their hands on the sick. And they recover Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. So I read that verse and I go, I got a couple of those. Amen? How many of you here have two hands? You're double qualified. I want the double portion anointing. Raise up both your hands. You got a double portion right there. Double portion. Just go lay hand. See what we do. Watch what, what we do. Well, what if I do it and nothing happens? Well, they can't get any worse. Are you doing all right? What if I do it and something happens? What if I do it and God honors my faith? What if I do it and I believe God still wants people to be used by Him? That this is still a day, this is still an hour. And God, I, see, our problem is, is we're too self-conscious about what people will think about us. Instead of being compassion conscious, when we could give some. Listen to what Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. 
If you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You have something to give to somebody. In 2020, purpose to be a giver. We talk about giving. Giving is a lifestyle, not just financially, but every aspect of your life. Give of your time in prayer. Give of your time in service. Give ministry. When you live by giving, you always live in a continual flow of kingdom harvest on every level in every aspect of your life. How do you stay healthy? So healing into other people's lives. Give and it shall be given unto you. Every, it doesn't matter what. Just be a giver and believe God would use you. That's all Stephen and Philip did. They just believed God would use them. So it said after they delivered, d- distributed food, they went out and did miracles. That'd be a good thing to do after lunch today. Amen. Getting kind of personal today, huh? But think about it. When you go out, you're going to run across somebody, you're going to meet somebody. But just to be able to say, hey, can I pray for you? And believe God to use you. The reason I'm doing this is I love Stephen and Philip. I love Ananias. They didn't have the qualification. They didn't walk three and a half years with Jesus. They weren't there. They weren't up on the mountain. They didn't see the transfiguration. They they didn't have any of that. They just believed the gospel in their heart. And then they applied it in their life. And God moved mightily through them. Look at Acts chapter 8, what it says. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the thing spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Watch this. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Amen. How many know? Thank God for doctors, but how many know that Jesus is the healer? Amen. Jesus said, I will heal you. The doctors say, I'll try this. I think I'd trade in, I try, I I will for I'll try. Amen. (laughs) Or I am. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Versus, I am the doctor and will try this. Okay, moving right along. So watch this. You see, unfortunately, though, man has always been too willing to relinquish his own spiritual walk and encounters with God to others. To others to go to God for him, to do the work and works of God, to bring the word of God to him, when God's invitation has always been to everyone. See, don't expect me to always go for it. I go to get a word, but I want to inspire you. I say, God, give me a word that'll fire them up, that they'll believe that they would do. Amen? So we gather to be equipped so that we can be dispersed out into the world. God's trying to get the same thing on the book of Acts. God's trying to get the church from the upper room into the city to launch us out of the upper room, out onto the world platform and the stage. Amen? To touch the world, to reach people. And so let God use you mightily. We don't want to allow somebody else to do it for us. I want to be a participant in it. In the book of Exodus, and we shared this with you on the altar in the chair a few weeks ago, we find the people hearing and seeing God's manifest presence in the wilderness. They run to the other side of the mountain. They told Moses, you go hang out with God and come tell us what he said because he scares us. Amen. Look at what they said. You go hang out with God and then come tell it. And then it says, now the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightnings, the flashes, the sounds, the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled, stood afar off. And they said, you speak with us and we will hear. But don't let God speak with us lest we die. Pastor, what do you mean? I mean, the presence of God can be intimidating. 
Because when you get in the presence of God, we, we start being realized that we, we're not really qualified to be there. We're aware of who we are, of our shortcomings we need, uh, of areas that we need to confess before the Lord or deal with in our hearts. We know the thoughts we had last night. We know the thoughts we had this morning. We know the things we're distracted by, you know, in all that other areas, things we've done, things we've said, things we thought about saying. Amen. And then we get in the presence of God and he's holy. And so, you know what, that really makes me uncomfortable. The presence of God makes us uncomfortable. So it's better if you go to that uncomfortable place, Pastor, and then come back, then I don't have to feel that uncomfortable. Amen. I, I, don't, I want to press in. Because anytime God makes me uncomfortable, it's always for my benefit. He's always on my side working in my life. Are you with me this morning? So watch it. Then Jesus comes and declares. Jesus come and declared that he would come and manifest himself to us. How will Christ in heaven make himself known to us? By his Holy Spirit. In John 14, 21, Jesus said this, He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. It's there in your outline, the word for manifest. It means to exhibit in person. Listen to that invitation. The Lord said, if you love me, I'll come and exhibit myself in person to you. Does that sound good to anybody? Lord, you, you would come and manifest, show yourself to me, exhibit yourself to me in person. How? By words that you would literally appear plainly, declare plainly. You see, John records in his gospel in verses 14 through 16 instructions to the disciples concerning the coming helper, the person of the Holy Spirit. When speaking of the Holy Spirit, he used personal pronouns, he and him, 19 times in three verses Jesus did. When speaking of him, he wants them to know a real and living replacement is coming to him. My prayer for you in 2020 is you come into a greater relationship with the Holy Spirit. God with you today. See, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. But we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? We believe in all three. So whichever one is with us, that is God with us. So God is with us by His Spirit. He is God with us. He is the helper with us today, and He's available to us. You see, Paul also declared, but having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, So, but by manifestation of the truth, declaring it, making it known. But then look at verse uh, chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I don't think about it. Jesus said, I'll come and manifest myself to you. But listen to what Paul says here to the church at Corinth. That the manifestation of the Spirit now is given to every man. And the definition, that look at the definition. It means expression by extension. What has God done? Listen to me, church. God has now extended himself into you. When you're born again, you are born of the Spirit. Amen? When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're anointed with the Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in you, and He will manifest Himself through you. That's why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 12. How does he do it? Twelve ways that he makes himself known. 
I mean, nine ways. He has nine gifts that he makes himself known through. And the Holy Spirit would do that. So expect God to use you in the gifts. Praise God. As the worship team comes back. Accepting Christ means being reconciled to God the Father equally by all. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 18 to 19 says, And all of us have this gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The amazing thing about reconciliation is that every one of us is on an equal playing field. Amen. The only difference is, is that God gives us tasks and duties. I remember Jesus with Peter on the lake there in the end of the Gospel of John. And Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord, feed my lamb. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, feed my sheep. Three times he denied me, and three times Jesus had him affirm him. Amen? But then as they're walking away, Peter turns around and looks at John and goes, what about him? And Jesus says, what's that to you? That's what happens to you and I. Is that many times we're worried about other people, and the Lord says, no. I have something specifically just for you to do. God had something for John to do, had something for Peter to do, had something for Paul to do, had Stephen and Philip. And when he needs for us today, just, Lord, sign me up. I want to be used by God. In this year, I want to be a part of the book of Acts. I want to be used by God. Amen? Think about that. So this is the book of Acts, not the book of spectators or observers but are participants in the ministry and taking the gospel to the world through the equipping power of the Holy Spirit. God calls us to walk with Him and to participate with Him, declaring the saving, redeeming grace of His kingdom in the earth, to be people of Acts and to complete the work that He began. So here's my question. What would happen if God's people believe that He's still looking for Stephens and Philips today? I believe He is. He is still looking for Stephens and Philips today and then we chose to be one one who says yes to being used by God would you stand with me this morning father today we thank you and lord we give you praise for all of your goodness in our life and father today I pray that as we close out this year father that we would have a hunger a desire and a passion in our lives to walk with you in a whole different level than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this year, Sue and I celebrated 40 years of marriage. And uh, and then I look out and I see Walt and Barbara Jacks, and they've been at that a lot longer than I have. <laughs> she always points at me, goes, don't you dare say how long. Amen. But over almost twice as long as I have. No, oh, Jesus. Amen. But in that, but you look at that, and you wonder, how do couples go that long together? 
because they never take the relationship for granted. You always keep building and investing in that relationship. You continually give yourself to your partner. And through sowing, you always reap harvest. Amen? Relationships falter when we quit sowing into each other. A successful marriage, a relationship, is the harvest of what two people sow into it. If one person becomes a taker and not a sower, then it's not long before the other person goes bankrupt. They've given out everything they've had and nothing's been sown back into their life. So what happens in our walk with God, it's the same thing. You have to keep sowing, keep investing, keep giving. And there's a harvest that comes back to us. It is sowing and it is reaping. And so I encourage you, keep investing your life with God. Keep it fresh. And I, couples come and they have trouble. I say, well, you know, there was a day when you actually liked each other. I've never married two people say, I hate this person. I can't stand them. I just want to marry them so I have somebody to fight with the rest of my life. No, that isn't why you got married. There was a day you looked at somebody and he said, I want to do life with you for the rest of my life. But then what happens, you start doing life and that challenges the strength of your relationship. And you need to value the person over the challenges. Are you with me? And so the way you do that is you always go back to that place where you look in that person's eyes and you fall in love again. It's interesting that Jesus would tell us to go and renew our first love. That even with him, with the God who loves us and gives and gives and gives himself, that something at us would have, where we would have to go to a place where we had to renew, reestablish, reaffirm our love for him. So the way you stay married a long time is you keep falling in love with your spouse. You keep dating. You never lose the romance. Could I get an amen this morning? You never lose the romance. And what happens in our walk with God is we lose the romance of our relationship with Him. The sweetness of just being with Him, just being in just worshiping Him. And it becomes religion instead of relationship so let's end this year and let's just affirm Lord we love you we love you we're just going to reaffirm our heart and God we want to be used by you I want to be used by you so this is the altar call this morning if that's you you want to press in then you just make it your prayer I want to be used by you I want to reaffirm my love I want to start a year fresh hungry, desiring to see what you would do in my life that I've never seen you do before. Father, I thank you for your anointing upon your people. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your drawing on each and every one of our hearts, pulling us into your presence. In Jesus' name.